It's TechBiter Worldwide for the week of July 6th, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour. That's because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Remember when I used to say that you could probably get by without an antivirus program? <laughs> that was a long time ago. Probably back in the late 80s would have been about the last time that advice would have made any sense. You cannot do without an antivirus program these days. And when it comes to antivirus programs, Greesoft's AVG antivirus has been my favorite. And it's been my favorite for several years. Unlike some of its competitors, AVG is a relatively light user of system resources. That it doesn't drag the performance of the machine down. And the latest version, version 8, brings a new interface and some new features that make it an even better protector. Greesoft still offers a free version, but it is increasingly hard to find. I'll tell you how to find it. The free version offers the same basic protection provided by the paid version, but with fewer management resources and without some of the extra features that the full version provides. I use the paid version of AVG on my desktop. We use the server version at the office, and I run the free version on my notebook. AVG works about the same way most antivirus programs work. You buy a license for one year or two years. So what happens when a new version comes out midway through the period? Well, in AVG's case, you get the new version. You do have to ask for it. It isn't an automatic upgrade, but you'll get a notice by email, and all you have to do is download the new version and install your registration key. That's the right way to do things. AVG Antivirus Version 8 looks quite a bit different from Version 7, and Greesoft has even changed its name to AVG Technologies. You may remember Satellite Software International, long time ago, became the word Perfect Corporation, for about the same reason. By changing its name, Greesoft acknowledges that its flagship application is what the company is known by. So, AVG Technologies. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see one of the new features. When you use a web browser, and this works with both Firefox and Internet Explorer, and probably with other browsers, and you conduct a search with a search engine, Google, for example, you'll see a list of websites, a list of links. Nothing unusual there. What is new is an icon to the right of each link. The icon tells you that AVG has actually visited the site and examined it. If you see a green star with a white check mark on it, you know the site is safe. And if you then hover your mouse over that icon, you'll get some additional information. For example, I had a link to the Wikipedia Windows XP page, and when I hovered the mouse over the AVG icon, a small pop-up told me the page was safe and contains no active threats, gave me the IP address, told me when it was scanned. This is all useful information. And as I mentioned, the interfaces change. Sometimes interface changes are good, sometimes not so good. In this case, I really like the new interface. It's much easier to understand and, for that reason, a lot easier to use. AVG rewrote the virus scanning engine and makes two add-on products available, AVG Anti-Spyware and AVG Anti-Rootkit. They are included in the pricier versions of the antivirus program. I'm not really sure that this is a particularly good idea, though. 
Companies seem to want to expand into new areas and eventually reach a point where they're in an area that they really have no expertise in. AVG may be in danger of doing exactly that. Because you now have the antivirus program, anti-spyware, anti-rootkit, email scanner, link scanner, web shield, resident shield, and an update manager. Really the only new pieces are the anti-spyware and the anti-rootkit. This is technology that AVG acquired by purchasing another company. If you want to change the program's settings, that's really easy to do. You have a nice menu with file, components, history, tools, and help. Under Tools, there's a link for Advanced Settings. And if you open that, you will be met with a huge list of possible changes. You can control the appearance of the program, examine the Virus Vault if there are any applications or files in the Virus Vault, make some changes to WebShield, the Link Scanner, determine when and how deeply the system scan will be, schedules for scans, make modifications to your email scanner. In short, every bit of the program can be modified. And the nice thing is, even with all of those features in operation, AVG still doesn't consume a lot of system resources. Well, at least not most of the time. When it's doing a full system scan, your machine will be noticeably slower. This is one of the reasons that I don't schedule regular scans. I'll do a scan when it's convenient for me. When the computer's sitting there doing something all by itself and I'm going to be elsewhere, I'll have it scan. So I started a scan while I was sitting at the computer and waited a while before canceling it. AVG told me that it had found 1,414 possible problems. Was I concerned? No. Virtually all of the problems reported were cookies. And that is annoying. It's not unusual. Most of the companies that make security software do exactly this. They warn you about cookies. And I just don't get it. In most cases, I want the cookie on the machine because when I go back to a website, it's the cookie that's going to identify me to the website and give the website sufficient information to give me what I've gone there for. Deleting the cookies eliminates that. But somehow we have a level of paranoia about cookies that is simply not warranted. I'm going to have to look and see if there's a way to turn off warnings about cookies. Well, here, wait a minute. Let me look. Let's see. Open the uh, control panel here under Tools, Advanced Settings, uh, Scans. Ah, under Scans, on Scan the Whole Computer. I can turn off Scan for Tracking Cookies, and I've just done that. Yeah. Okay, say okay to that. That will improve AVG antivirus as far as I'm concerned. The Resident Shield component, of course, scans email as it's arriving and as it's being sent to make sure that it's clean. And WebShield is kind of a minimal firewall application that looks specifically for web-based hazards. AVG checks for updates every four hours by default. Remember the days when updates for antivirus programs occurred annually or every six months or so, when you'd get a disk in the mail with the new updates? Well, now you can have it check even more frequently than every four hours. The bottom line on AVG antivirus is this. It continues to be the antivirus application that I pay for and use. AVG antivirus with its additional applications 
is an excellent choice for Windows users because it provides very good protection without slowing down the computer. For more information, you can visit the AVG website, and there's a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. And I mentioned information about the free version. If you want the free version, there's a link to it, too. Looks like I'm not going to have to use the free version of anything anymore. I have just won $2,968,797.93. That's right. I've received yet another message telling me that I have won yet another huge amount of money. Well, actually, I didn't receive the message. It was hung up in my spam catcher. I noticed it, freed it, and decided that maybe I could have a little bit of fun with it. The fun involved my becoming Lord Ian Percival Snodfeathers, a nearly broke San Jose builder of luxury homes. Lord Ian, or as I eventually came to know him by his acronym, LIPS, has some pretty serious problems, but so does the spam. Let's take a look at the spam as I received it. It claimed to be from London, but it was sent from a server in the central time zone. Pretty sure London isn't in the central time zone. The message, of course, was sent to undisclosed recipients, so it was sent as a blind carbon. So I just wonder how many grand winners exist. Winning notification with three exclamation points. Exclamation points are one of the dead giveaways. There were problems with punctuation. Lots of problems with punctuation. And then, of course, the sender didn't know my name. It just referred to me as Dear Winner. We are happy to announce to you the draw of number 2134-0814218 of the London Online Sweepstakes, where your email address attached to ticket number 2306133183 serial number 28159/08 drew the lucky number 8113033244041 bonus ball you have won 1.5 million gbp adding to my amusement was the fact that they used the pound sign and gbp following the number and they punctuated the number incorrectly European number punctuation is the reverse of our system in that it uses a period where we would use a comma and it uses a comma where we would use a period. So the number should have been 1.500.000. In fact, it was sent as 1.500,000, which would actually be a much smaller number. That would only be 1,500 great British pounds. Yes, and I know you don't say great British pounds, but that's what this message told me. So I had to fill in my name and address and send it back to an agent, Mark Ferguson, with a Gmail address. Okay, so what about Lord Ian Percival Snodfeathers? Well, I decided since they don't know who I am, I might as well be Lord Snodfeathers. I created an email account for him at techbiter.com, so I quickly composed a reply to Dear Mr. Mark Ferguson. I said, This is indeed an auspicious moment. I was just sitting here wondering what would happen next. As you might know, the real estate and home-building business has just gone all to hell here in the United States, and particularly in California. Things were getting so bad that I was even thinking about killing myself, or maybe leaving the wife and kids and running off to Mexico. Your message, or more accurately, this message from Dr. Martha Cooper, bless her heart, has literally saved my life. The way I figure it, the winnings are nearly $3 million dollars. $2,968,797.93 to be exact, according to today's exchange rate. 
My business is more than $2.5 million in debt, so this will allow me to pay off the debt in full and leave a few hundred thousand dollars left over so that my mistress and I can escape to the sunny beaches of Ciudad Acuna, Mexico. I might even leave a little for my wife of 37 years and our 14 children, even though I suspect I may not be the father of some of them. I mean, the last six were born after my vasectomy. Well, anyway, I have to run down to the store and get some more rum for lunch. You all right back soon. When can I expect the money? Lord Ian Percival Snodfeathers, CEO, COO, CFO, PDQ, LIPS. Lord Snodfeathers, Luxury Home Builders, Inc., LTD, NASA, 1313 San Diego Freeway, Suite 666, San Jose, California, 95101. Well, of course, that address is actually non-existent. It was at this point that I thought I might need another domain name to advance the illusion, and I finally settled on the domain name that translates from Russian to English as criminal, Prishtupnik. So I wanted Prishtupnik.com, but that had already been registered. So I tried Prishtupnik.info and found that it was available, and that I could obtain it from GoDaddy for just 99 cents for the first year. So I did. You'll hear more about that later. And within just a few hours, I heard from Mr. Ferguson, who told me that I had been confirmed as the winner, and asked that I send information to the courier company. I waited a few days to reply, though, because Lord Ian Percival Snodfeathers had run into some trouble with the police at home. I pretended not to notice that Mr. Ferguson's address had suddenly changed from Gmail to Mark Ferguson at trefpunct.cc. The from address was still Gmail, but the reply to address went to that new one. The domain is registered to an address that claims to be in Austria. In fact, it is in Austria, and the organization seems to provide free email accounts. I probably shouldn't wait more than a couple of days to reply, because the address probably will be shut down fairly quickly. So I replied to Mr. Ferguson, Thank you for your kind response, Mr. Mark Ferguson. I apologize for taking so long to get back to you, but I've just gotten out of jail. Yes, it's true. I was so excited by your previous message that I had a lunch consisting mostly of rum. I had mentioned rum, of course, in my previous message. That probably wouldn't have been much of a big deal, except that my wife noticed the bottles and started getting all over my ass about drinking too much and yada, yada, yada. You know how it is, I'm sure, Mr. Ferguson. Well, anyway, because I knew I was going to be coming into a lot of money real soon, I guess I got a little crazy and smacked her around a bit. She called the cops, and I took off in my land cruiser. The damn cops spotted me, though, and chased me. They made me lose control of the car and smashed it all to hell and back again. I wasn't hurt, though. I'm beginning to enjoy this pathos just a little bit. Well, if you want to read the rest of my message, which includes some riffs with Arlo Guthrie material, not to mention some Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, it's on the TechBiter Worldwide website. But unfortunately, it seems that I overplayed it just a little bit with that message. It was maybe a little too obvious. They didn't get back to me after that message. Well, sometime in the next few weeks, I'll select another winning spam and see how long I can play the criminals. Maybe I'll get good at this. Maybe I can get one of them to send me some money. In early news, Firefox has set a new world 24-hour download record. The message from the Mozilla folks told me, quote, We set a Guinness World Record for the most software downloads in 24 hours. With your help, we reached 8,002,530 downloads. You are now part of a world record and the proud owner of the best version of Firefox yet. Don't forget to download your very own certificate for helping set a Guinness World Record. 
Wow, that sounds pretty impressive, huh? As much as I like Firefox, I am compelled to tell you, as Paul Harvey might say, the rest of the story. Sometimes the PR department comes up with a good idea. Sometimes not. This is a not. Firefox is a popular browser. Those of us who use it think it is the better browser. But it still has just 15 to 20 percent of the market, at most. The big guy is still Microsoft's Internet Explorer. Eight million downloads is a lot of downloads. But Microsoft easily quintuples that on any single monthly patch day, month after month after month. In fact, had only one person downloaded Firefox 3 during the special 24-hour period, it would have still been a world record because it's a new category for the Guinness folks. No matter how many people downloaded the application, they would have still been able to say we set a Guinness world record for the most software downloads in 24 hours. I like Firefox. I recommend Firefox. I use Firefox as my primary browser, but I'm not particularly impressed by the half-truth, Fox News-like approach that they're taking here. Just tell people you have a better browser and let them decide for themselves. I suppose I should tell you, though, that I did download my certificate. And you can see a picture of it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Amazon in Japan says that sales of Blu-ray discs are exceeding the sales of standard definition DVDs for some consumers. As HD television makes its way to the United States, we'll probably see similar results here. The action genre seems to be the driving force in Japan. For January through June of this year, Sony's Resident Evil trilogy, the box set on Blu-ray, was the best-selling movie product. Amazon says that many software manufacturers believe that the action genre is the one that can best use Blu-ray's features. Anime is another genre that is showing strength in Blu-ray sales. And what about porn? Oh, oh, sorry, Amazon doesn't go there. Looks like we can forget about Block City or Circuit Buster. Blockbuster has decided that it really doesn't want to buy Circuit City. In April, Blockbuster had bid more than $1 billion for Circuit City, but now Blockbuster's CEO, James W. Keyes, says that acquiring Circuit City is not in the best interest of Blockbuster shareholders. Circuit City's shares currently are trading at 20-year lows, and the company might have to look for another buyer. The more pressing matter, though, is increasing traffic in the stores. Circuit City's online ordering with quick and easy in-store pickup might be good for consumers. I know I like it. But it almost certainly reduces browsing and impulse purchases, too. This week, Blockbuster withdrew its bid for 6 to $8 a share for Circuit City, but the company is still exploring other opportunities. The company's stock is now around $2 a share. Circuit City has reported losses for four of the past five quarters, and sales have declined each month for more than a year. Not a good sign. That's too bad. I always liked Circuit City. Don't write them off just yet, though. Thanks for listening. This has been TechMiter Worldwide for the week of July 6th, 2008. Happy Independence Day. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, you can send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.